Welcome to Nice Out Minute, I'm your host Darren, and today we are going to be talking about minute number 40, which goes from 39 to 39.59 if you are following along at home. Uh, we start with Harlan restraining Marta, uh, putting his hand over her mouth, telling her to be quiet because he's got a plan. Um, you know, he's he, you know he's only got six minutes and he's got to explain it to her. You know, he said in the last minute he's dead and, you know, he he's immediately thinking about her. You know, he's saying, we've, you know, think your mom, trust me, we've got to make this look ironclad. Um, you know, Marta, there's a little bit where she kind of, you know, says my mom, just as we, we hear the, a knock on the door. Uh, Joni is kind of, you know, outside trying to check if, if everything's okay. Um, and, you know, as he opens the door, Marta is turned away from Joni and she's just standing there crying. And, you know, Harlan is extremely calm, talking to Joni, saying everything's okay. Uh, and after he shuts the door, he takes a look at the knife on the desk. We kind of get a little bit of a focus on that. Obviously, we've talked about it in the previous four minutes. It's basically been sitting there waiting uh, for what we know it's going to be used in. Um, and he says, your mom is still undocumented. And that's where the minute finishes. That's where our week finishes. And joining me to talk about today, as we have been all week, is Joe Dorowski. Hello, Joe. Hello. What a minute. Just some fabulous work done yeah. in terms of filmmaking to get through this uh, this tension-filled knock on the door yeah and I, I obviously i'll say to anybody listening obviously we're going to avoid spoilers to start off with but there is going to come a point uh once we've kind of discussed what happens on screen here where we are going to get into spoilers for a little bit of what happens next week i don't want to spoil it for the hosts of next week i still want them to have something to kind of discuss uh but also we will kind of get more into the the you know the kind of talk broadly a bit more about the film um, and kind of more more about the reveal of like how this plays into the ending of the film, I think is is kind of important. Um, but yeah, so it's it's I mean it's kind of amazing because as I said, you know, minute by minute we've had completely different moods um, in t in terms of what's on screen, and now Harlan kind of takes charge, um, you know, puts his hand over her mouth, you know, and Marta kind of uh, is left basically to be kind of controlled by Harlan for this kind of next minute. <laughs> And obviously she, for the entire minute, she, you know, she was started crying in the last minute. And for the entire of this minute, you know, her eyes are basically, you know, completely glassy. And, you know, when, when the door is opened with that wonderful little kind of like shot as, as it kind of cranes up. Um, and we see that there's a monkey and a leopard in, yes. the, uh, in, in, in the ceiling. Um, and it kind of pulls back down and you see you see Marta just standing there, obviously kind of bawling her eyes out, tears running down her face. And she's basically trying to stay quiet so she doesn't arouse the suspicions of Joni. And, you know, the conversation with Joni takes all, you know, takes place all out of focus uh, in the background. And then, you know, as the door closes, you know, Harlan comes back into focus. And then he, you know, he he kind of basically tells her to trust him. Um, and he says, you know, we have to make this this look ironclad. You know, it can't have been your fault. Um, he says, you know, he kind of emphasizes it. You can't have done this. Um, you know, and 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 I I just I kind of I kind of I kind of like how 
you know, we get the kind of the conversation in the background between Joni and Harlan. Like I say, it's out of focus. It's just a, you know, a kind of a, a discussion about, you know, talk to you tomorrow and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think I think it's kind of funny when, you know, Harlan is saying yes tomorrow, um, you know, and says night night. And, he, he, and he's kind of putting on a face um, and he's he's trying to be one way towards Joni while obviously behind him, you know, Marta is turned away and she's, you know, she's trying to kind of contain her emotions in a different way. Um, you know, and I think it's a nice little kind of contrast between the two of them. But, you know, the the reason given for why Harlan has come up with his plan, which obviously he'll explain in great detail, I think in the next like four or five minutes, um, you know, is because of Marta's mom. You know, he knows that she's undocumented. Um, unlike the rest of the family, I suspect Harlan knows which country her family come from. Um, you know, the the other members of the family, uh, each one of them has given a completely different country for where they come from. But we know that obviously, you know, she, she's undocumented. Um, and so there's no way that, you know, obviously if, the, if, if Marta gets accused of murder or whatever, then her mother's going to be deported. Probably her sister might be deported as well. And, you know, basically it'll kind of tear that family apart. Um, and so I like how quickly Harlan's concern goes from his own life immediately to Marta. Um, like he doesn't kind of hesitate um of course we'll get uh, get into it a little bit more in the spoilers but ideally he should have listened to what Marta was saying yes (laughs) Um, (laughs) but you know that's I think that's just because that's how his mind works you know he like we say you know over the course of this week uh, in each minute he's becoming he's been coming up with a plot of what would happen if somebody did this if somebody deliberately murdered a person using this method and so, of course, by the time he's reached the end of those conclusions, he already has a story in his head. He already has a plan. You know, he he's already effectively coming up with a way for somebody to get away with this. And now that person is going to be Marta. You know, the person who's going to get away with murdering Harlan is is her. And, and obviously the plan in his head, he's now basically kind of... Effectively, it's the final story that he will write. Um, you know, is Marta escaping you know being accused of murder yeah cl- closing um, the book with the flourish like he said earlier in the week yeah yeah and obviously you know uh, throughout i mean i don't think it's as prominent throughout this scene but you know we do kind of still see the knife is in the desk you know as as we kind of pan up and stuff in fact um you know if Joni were more observant like kind of when she was discussing what happened and you know kind of you know the flashbacks and stuff she might have noted that there was a the knife that was used um after this minute uh it you know was on the desk it quite prominent you know <laughs> you know um but i guess he kind of distracts her with the kind of the go pieces doesn't he and the the stuff that's kind of on the on the floor and you know, she doesn't strike me as the most observant of... member of the family yeah well i mean they're all pretty self-absorbed but yeah <laughs> Joni does seem like the most self-absorbed out of everybody but you know for if from if you're if you're you know jo- if from Benoit Blanc's point of view Joni had the clues in front of her but she obviously she doesn't. She isn't. She isn't a thromby, so she doesn't think like them. So obviously, you know, there's a kind of implication, um, you know, that she, you know, she she didn't observe stuff that that you know later on is kind of more obvious. Um, but I guess as the viewer, you're you're we're being led to see these things. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I I I would say that again, the the kind of the you know your mom's undocumented is I don't know. It, I'm not going to say it feels like a weak reason. Uh, but in the moment, it feels like something that would kind of be justified as like a reason for why we need to do this quickly and why this need, you know. Well, I, I to me, I think that is 
his, he's trying to motivate her to go along with his plan. I think his plan, like he was already putting wheels in motion to take care of Marta with his will uh, to cut off the family. Even that night he had started to cut people off. Yeah. Um, so, so a lot of, you know, the, that he was already doing, I think he's using the mother to motivate her to, to do exactly what he's about to lay out for her, not for a reason that he's about to do what he's going to do. Um, yeah. He was always planning to, to uh, take care of Marta. And now it's, it's not just take care of her in terms of financial uh, situation for the rest of her life, but to get her out of this bind. And now I've got a plan to do that, but she's panicked. I've got to find something that's going to motivate her. Her mom is, is uh, the lever that I can pull. Um, yeah, so now, um, obviously, I don't want to get into spoilers too quickly, but I feel we have to kind of get into spoilers quite quickly. Uh, so if obviously, if you haven't, you know, if you haven't watched the rest of the film, um, you know, we've kind of described the minute. Uh, it's a good minute. And the performance in it. Are, I mean, I think this is kind of the peak of Anna de Armas's kind of performance. I mean, she's, you know, she's amazing as she's kind of standing there while Joni is at the door and everything's kind of out of focus in the well, background. Regarding this minute, I yeah. do want to shout out uh, shout out that, that crane move and yes. the rack focus that happens as it lowers and just thinking about like how many people are having to work with their timing perfectly to make this piece of art happen in that moment. And then you also add in like the scoring and the editing that's going to come after. Um, this yeah. is one of those magical things about film is that, uh, you know, someone had a vision for how the scene was going to come about and then in terms of set design, lighting, camera work, uh, changing the rack focus while filming, uh, the, the actor's performance that has to have the timing just right for when the door closes in sync with, you know, where the, where the camera is and everything. Like, they, they coordinate everything. And it's um, not done in a way that's going to draw attention to itself. But when you just step back and think about how how many people work together to make this moment of film be what it is. Uh, it's one of those things that makes film just so special to me. Yeah. And I think as well, because, you know, we start in, we start in the minute kind of where we finish the previous minute, which is like, you know, the two of them right next to each other. Uh, given, given the current times, it's, uh, it's odd to see people standing that close to each other um, at all. Um, you know, not wearing masks and whatever. Um, but yeah, so like we see them right next to each other. Then you, like you say, the camera, like, so we're kind of, we're in extreme close up with the two of them. And then as the camera kind of goes up, you know, and it comes back down and you just see Anna Diama standing there and just crying and trying to hold herself in. And it's just amazing, you know, it's an amazing performance. Um, you know, and obviously Christopher Plummer's no slouch, you know, he's kind of in the background there with, uh, with Joni kind of talk, but uh, like, that's not the focus of the scene. Like the conversation they're having at the back isn't the, isn't the focus of the scene. You know, the focus, the focus is, is on Marta and, you know, where she is, you know, over the last few minutes as she's kind of realized what's happened, you know, her emotions have kind of become more and more intense. Um, and then, you know, he kind of sits her down because he's going to explain the plan. Um, and I think, you know, this is the time where we will go into spoilers. So obviously, you know, if you haven't watched ahead, then uh, this is where you need to, to kind of, you know, stop the episode. Uh, maybe skip forward to the last 30 seconds to hear us, you know, giving plugs or whatever. But if you've listened all week, you've already heard those. So um, but yeah, kind of the plan itself, uh, like we said, it's been brewing all week, you know, um, and the fact that Harlan already has it kind of ready, you know, he's like, he, she needs to be able to um, leave as normal. And they, and she, and he, you know, in the next minute, he'll say as noisily as you can. And that is, that is the kind of plan um, is for her to get out of there. And, you know, he gives, he gives a lot of directions and stuff. I'll leave the next host to kind of talk about that in, in intense detail. Um, but he basically wants to, he wants to make the rest of the family hear her leave so that she, you know, she, she, so that when he dies, uh, 
um, you know, she will be completely blameless and she won't be in the property and everyone will know she's out of the property. Um, and uh, what I what I like is that, you know, obviously the knife has been there and we've we've alluded to it all week. Uh, but obviously, when we when we saw his body in the first few minutes of the film and when it was discovered, you know, he he basically slits his own throat to make it appear like a suicide um, to kind of save her, you know, from being put in the spotlight um, you know, as a murderer. Obviously, I don't think he realized that Benoit Blanc would be hired to kind of uncover all that anyway. Um, you know, but and, and under normal circumstances, you know, it's discovered as a suicide and that's, you know, that's where it finishes. You know, like there'd be no further investigation. Um, but obviously we know later on that, that that Benoit Blanc is called in. And I think but by this point in the film, he's already said he doesn't know who's got, who's who's paying him. Uh, just that he's been asked to investigate it. And I love that detail. It's so good. Yeah. And also he he does like when he when he started investigating it earlier in the film, you know, there are certain there are certain, like there's only really one question he wants to ask everyone, which is when did you arrive? And, you know, that's his initial kind of investigation as to is trying to figure out like kind of when people were were in the property, which, you know, would would strike me as the most basic thing you'd do as a detective. So it's not like it's, you know, Sherlock Holmes calculating 20,000 different things in his head. He's just kind of trying to get a lay of the land as to figure out exactly who came. And I think also part of his questioning is also trying to figure out who would try and lie and embellish. You know, like I think that's something as well that he's he's doing is is in his questioning. He's not only just asking them for when did you get there he's trying to figure out what their relationship was and also you know all of them pretty much lie about the party you know as evidenced by the whole birthday cake thing um but i think it's interesting that you, you know we, we're thinking to ourselves does benoit blank know that they're lying you know and i think he does i think he realizes that almost all of the thrombies are trying to paint themselves uh, as as kind of being closer to Harlan maybe than they were or or kind of you know in a, kind of taking care of him or you know like, uh, trying to put themselves in a positive light that night so that you know like the whole thing about you know Walt kind of dismissing the argument and you know Richard kind of dismissing the idea of the affair like everyone's trying to dismiss what are the most obvious things and trying to paint themselves as being better when obviously we know that out of all the characters Marta is the only one and probably Fran um, Marta is the only one who is is really innocent and who is the better person, um, and obviously she can't lie, so <laughs> she's at a disadvantage. Uh, you know, she has to kind of tell the truth. Um, you know, but the the fact that the, the fact that, that like you know when Harlan lays out his plan, he says stuff like you know the dogs won't bark at you, and you know like, there's little things that kind of indicate as as like what he thinks of her when he's laying out the plan um you know and then obviously like you say he goes out with a flourish he slits his own throat with a knife that's been sitting there for, <laughs> for like the last you know nine to ten minutes in the scene and is kind of prominent and i think also that is a contrast to the kind of the conclusion of the film where obviously he he knows what a real knife looks like and he knows you know that he's got to kill himself um he doesn't have to obviously we find out later but you know like that's Harlan is kind of, you know, he's 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 kind of um, resolved to do that. Later on, when Ransom tries to grab a knife, of course, he he grabs a prop one and he ends up not being successful. <laughs> so I think that's that's a that's a kind of nice contrast as well as as you know, Harlan's plan is successful mostly, um, but you know, and then it starts to gradually fall apart. Um, but then you know, when when Ransom tries to do something similar you know, it just falls apart really quickly because obviously he hasn't got the focus, you know, he hasn't got the, 
you know, everything that he tries to do to kind of cover this up and, and frame Marta ends up being unsuccessful because he he just he isn't his father. You know, I feel like if Harlem was the murderer, he would actually manage to pull it off. Like he would get he would get Marta convicted and put in prison, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, what are your thoughts on kind of where this goes from here? You know, obviously kind of, you know, discussing a bit more of the kind of broader the broader ideas that are, are in the rest of the film. Yeah, I, I think it's um, a really well-structured film in terms of what the audience is given, but also always making sure the audience knows kind of uh, what is believable or, or what, what is being honest. And then, like we said earlier on, we get all the uh, um, the, the Rashomon version of, of the initial party where we know we're not supposed to rely on any of these. Like, yes, this is based in truth, but it's so biased in terms of where the characters are position, positioning themselves. And I love that the scene that's, you know, at the core of the film, you know, the, the, the key moments, um, what we're given is completely factual, but also we're going to reinterpret it as we learn about what other characters have done in the lead up to this, uh, you know, who, who was where and doing what exactly. Uh, and it's, I, I just think it's a wonderful trick that uh, Ryan Johnson is able to pull off in terms of uh, doing both those styles of mystery storytelling of like the, the biased manipulative uh, uh, retelling of events that's supposed to guide you a certain way, the real events that show you what happened, but still make you feel like you're, you're you, you don't quite know what, what's happening. And then you get to reinterpret both of the, you know, all, all of those elements in a way that's really satisfying and does come together um, in, in a way that makes you feel like the, the you know, the, the finale is earned and the, you know, the character motivations and, and what has happened. It doesn't feel like there's like loose strings to tug at uh, and, and that make you kind of, oh man, I want to, I want to pick at that knit. Um, I don't, I don't have that at the end of this film. You know, we see the body, we're told it's a suicide. Then, you know, we we find out this week and obviously next week that it was actually a mix up and the suicide is staged. And then we're told, obviously, you know, that Marta kind of, uh, you know, is given this plan and she she like escapes. Um, and so she's kind of in the clear. And then as the film goes on, she, you know, we see her as the guilty party trying to cover things up. Um, so, you know, like the, the stuff with the, the videotape and, you know, like uh, gradually each, each kind of stage of it is, is like, you know, we're going to, we're going to cover all this, uh, the, the kind of the evidence up. And then as we get towards the kind of the reveal that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't actually, you know, um, Marta's fault, you know, obviously Ransom is the one who's responsible, spoiler alert. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny that, you know, as like the film kind of changes because then when you watch it a second time, you can kind of see the stuff that Ransom is doing to try and cover up the crime or or to throw the suspicion yeah. onto onto Marta. But and the stuff that Marta is doing, you know, is e like easily seen through by Benoit Blanc. And you know, there's a line towards the end where basically, you know, he says, "I suspected you from the moment I saw the blood on your shoe, like the first time we met." And if you watch the film, he does literally look at her shoes like as at the first time they meet. So. Um, uh -huh. yeah, and, and there's a lot of shots actually of her, you know, particularly in a couple of weeks ago where she's waiting to be questioned and she's nervously tapping her feet. So there's like a focus on her feet because obviously that's what, you know, kind of gives away, um, you know, the fact that she was she was in that room. But then that isn't the like he didn't he didn't see that and think she was guilty. He saw that and he knew that she was innocent. 
Um, and and so obviously, I think there's also the kind of while Ransom is trying to make her look guilty, Benoit Blanc is actually trying to do the opposite. He's trying to figure out how she's innocent um, without actually saying explicitly to everybody, I think Marta is not guilty. You know, like he's the stuff that he's doing throughout the film is just little things to kind of confirm that she, you know, she is innocent. Um, and I think that's kind of interesting on a second watch because that's kind of what you uh, what you catch. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it, in terms of like who Benoit Blanc is, I think it shows that he can do like the armchair detective, like gather the facts and put together the picture. But he also gets a really good read on people. And that's why like I've been I've, I've put together these details that let me know she was in that room. But I have a good enough read on people that I know she didn't kill him. <laughs> so what how how do I make those two elements that I like he trusts himself enough to to know completely she was there she's innocent how you know what in the world has led to this sequence of events and that's the mystery he's trying to solve um and you know it, it, it I think that's one thing that makes Penoir Blanc interesting is 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 that the empathy is is one of his motivations for uh you know what what is bothering him about this crime more than anything else is, is like the how quickly he's able to read Marta and, and understand um, who she is and that's what allows him to like keep pushing and finding you know ev- everything until he, he uh you know we we get the the big final like part of the room scene where he's going to lay out everything yeah and i think i think the funny thing is like obviously um you know every, everybody um you know everyone all the thrombies when they're trying to and joni who's i guess a thromby by relation uh at, when they're when they're kind of talking in their flashbacks i think one of the things that uh, is is kind of I think it's something that other people have mentioned, but uh, aside from the birthday cake shot, you know everybody's always sitting next to Harlem when the birthday cake comes out. The fact that they always refer to Marta as being from different places, the fact that they say like Cuba, Ecuador, Paraguay, Uruguay, Brazil, like each person saying a different location is probably a perfect indication to Benoit Blanc that they're lying about something or that they don't know the full information, and you know. Martin never never says where she's from. By the way, they, they never they never correctly say where she's from. And obviously, they say, you know, uh, you know, the conclusion of this minute was that her mom her mom is undocumented. Um, but I think the implication is that Marta is a U.S. citizen. You know, she was you know her mom mm-hmm. obviously came illegally, and then she she was born in the the states. So she's you know she's not from any of those countries. She's from the country they're all currently in. Um, so and I think that's a, it's an interesting kind of um, contrast because obviously you know, this kind of wealthy white family living in this kind of gigantic mansion, um, you know, the, the fact that they don't know where Marta is from, it kind of strikes me as uh, kind of, it just emphasizes that, that you know, that, that basically, um, you know, they they just, they literally don't care. You know, it's one of the things that kind of gradually yeah. over the film makes you hate them is is they don't they don't even care to find out where Marta is from. You know, there's little touches like Don Johnson hands her an empty plate because he's treating her like a maid. You know, there's little things like that that are kind of a little humorous, but it's kind of obvious that none of none of them really care about Marta. Um, and so obviously it's even more delicious that she is the, the sole inheritor and gets the house and you know like that that's kind of funny that you know that they 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 kind of spend so much time as a family trying to build up these myths about themselves and and who harlan is and you know all the kind of interrogation is is each of the members of the family kind of saying oh i'm a self-made person who did this and 
you know, and when and when you get down to it, basically they're all just living off their dad, and you know, most of them, you know, are getting it. Like when they when I think Linda and Richard talk about like an investment that they got from Harlan, which is you know just a different way of saying they got money from their dad. Like, um, and then the fact that they just none of them can even even Meg, you know, she pretends to be friends with Marta, but she, you know, and obviously that's used later on in the film to kind of manipulate her, but basically. They don't. They don't care, and uh, and I think that's why this. It's kind of satisfying the way this finishes. Is you know, they're all kicked yeah, out. Yeah, and the the my my house mug at the yeah, end. Is yeah, just which so, is which is so a wonderful great. touch. Again, that, that I mean, you know, worth saying if it hasn't already been mentioned. That's a that's a custom made mug that the film uh, they had that made. Like you couldn't buy that mug. It was it was made deliberately. And again, that's out of everything that is kind of um, you know is um, you know foreshadowed. I think that is the most amount of foreshadowing just done with that mug is. That, that by the end of the film that you know obviously that is that's correct for Marta you know that is that is now her house and her rules um but it also applies to Harlan you know everybody in that house mm-hmm. obeyed obeyed what he did so it fit, it fits for both of their characters in slightly different ways um but yeah so i mean you know i when i saw this in the cinema the first time obviously you know you get to the kind of the, the reveal of the fact that the, you know the the vials hadn't been swapped just the labels and so actually she gave you know the correct dose of the correct drug and you know if she hadn't panicked and if if harlan hadn't have been so assertive then harlan would have just been alive if they'd have called an ambulance you know nothing would have really happened um and i think it's kind of interesting because um you know that reveal it, it's great reveal because when you rewatch the minutes that obviously we've just been talking about this week Every you you think to yourself, stop listening to him, <laughs> like uh, like assert yourself just a little bit, Marta. You know, like but you can understand the state that she's in and how kind of mm-hmm. dist- how kind of distressed she is and everything. Um, but and also the fact that she kind of goes along with the plan that he lays out. You know, of, it, it's kind of it's kind of interesting that uh, kind of instantly she does kind of go, not only go along with him, um, you know, volunteering to kind of set it up as a suicide. Um, but also, you know, he's like, you know, I, I, I want you to be, you know, innocent. So we're going to set up this extremely <laughs> elaborate plan. And of course, that just feels like that's what happens in his novels. Like if you were to ever read one of his novels, it's like, well, yeah, that's that's how he thinks. You know, he thinks as an author. Uh, and so it all kind of really yeah. makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's just it's such a it's such a great. And I and I think as well, like uh, the first time I saw it, you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, like kind of the stuff we ransom. Uh, but then rewatching it, it's kind of there are little things that are kind of like the when he says, you know, end with a flourish. Uh, you know, you've already seen what he did in the opening minutes. So it's but when they could kind of add it here, it kind of it, it's kind of an interesting little callback and, and, and also a setup at the same time. Um, so there's there's little masterful things like that, which is why I'm looking forward to Nice Out too, because, you know, if if, if the script is it, it, even just 90 percent as good as this first script, and if it's only 75% as well directed as Knives Out, it's still going to be a terrific film. Um, so, Or, if it turns out to be a terrible film, I, I said all along it was going to be a big mistake. Uh, you know. <laughs> Do you choose your own adventure on which of those is the correct ending? But yeah, is there anything else that you need to say about this film before we go, Joe? Uh, no, I just really enjoy it. And like you, I am looking forward to a sequel. And if this became the kind of franchise that every three, four years we get another Benoit Blanc adventure that's written and directed by Ryan Johnson, I would be very satisfied with that to just kind of look, look forward to on the pop culture calendar. Like, oh, there's going to be another one. Yeah. What I don't want to happen is for Knives Out 3, they suddenly recast Benoit Blanc and he's played by, I don't know, somebody else. And, and it's like, oh, you know. Because Daniel Craig obviously Cannon can Kato, be a, all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Craig can be a bit finickety about 
getting tied into a contract for a number of years. Uh, but as of this moment, yeah. he's he's the longest reigning Bond. So um, yeah, so you know, I, I just hope that basically he enjoys he enjoys the. the I, it seems like he's enjoying this a lot more than enjoying James Bond. You feel like everyone was having fun playing the character they were playing in yeah. this film. Like like it, it does seem like. Uh, the, the characters who got to play jerks loved playing jerks. Benoit Blanc, uh, he or uh, Daniel Craig playing Benoit Blanc looks like he's having a lot of fun doing the accent, being a little enigmatic, uh, and you know, chewing a little bit of scenery, but not too over the top <laughs> as uh, as he goes through. So, uh, yeah. like you said, hopefully he has enough fun that he does want to come back to this, and also whatever ensemble cast that we're going to get introduced to. Hopefully, it's it's a chance for um, you know a lot of actors to just really get. A fun juicy role for them uh that maybe plays against type or that they get to lean into a little bit uh more than you know some more reserved roles they've probably done in their careers uh, maybe we'll get justin gordon levitt in person on the next one you know uh, uh, maybe you know maybe they'll bring back bruce willis who knows possibly not but uh you know uh i i'd, I'd like i'd like to see a bit of jgl versus uh versus daniel craig i think that'd be an interesting uh, dynamic to see on screen <laughs> Uh, always been a fan of uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I mean, you know, going all the way back to Third Rock, you know, he's a he's an he seems like an affable affable enough character. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it'd just be interesting to see who they who they cast and kind of everything. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to Daniel Craig just you know enjoying himself on screen instead of being stony faced and miserable for three and a <laughs> half hours or however however long the next Bond movie is. I think it was I didn't I think they said three hours. I think when it was announced last oh, year. That's a lot they? of Bond. I think, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, but uh, thanks for being my guest this week uh, to talk about Knives Out uh, minute by minute. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Knives Out Minute. Uh, is there anything that you wish to plug before we go, Joe? I'll just do one more shout out to my uh, weekly podcast, The Protagonist Podcast, where each week we talk about a great character in a great story. And you can find me uh, in a couple of weeks' time or, or now, if you're listening in the future, uh, talking about Tom Hanks on t hanks for the memories i'm sure you'll find that everywhere where you search for that uh emphasize the t hanks part though because thanks for the memories is a common phrase so uh, you know it, that's that's the whole point of the pun um so i'm sure you'll find i mean i mean i don't think there's anybody else done something called thanks for the memories on on any podcast platform so you, you'll be able to find it there uh, and should you wish to hear me talk about something minute by minute then you can always go back and listen to the social minute where i went through the social network minute by minute 120 episodes just me by myself talking to other people um uh that was a, a bit of a big thing to do uh so you know took up a lot of time a couple of years ago uh but you know social minute one of my favorite films david fincher one of my favorite directors um so a bit disappointed that he put mank out on a digital platform because i was like i'm never gonna see that you know put, put, send it to the cinema send it to the cinema or do nothing i'm never gonna watch a film that just comes out digital only um so anyway that's it that's less less of my my more ranting about uh the various streaming platforms um so thanks for your uh time as a guest joe and obviously um you know we will return next week with uh minute number 41 uh and i'm sure that everyone will will look forward to to listening to the conclusion of uh of or the start should i say because i think the next few minutes it's 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 minute after minute of plan isn't it it's plan do this do that go there do this um, so it's a lot of setup, uh, but you know those are going to be some good minutes to listen to. Uh, those hosts got lucky. Uh, so otherwise, uh, we'll say goodbye. Bye, Joe.